Hello, I'm Danny Aiken, president of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We want to thank you for listening to this chapel message. Our mission at Southeastern is to seek to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by equipping students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. We hope that you enjoy this chapel message and that you will visit our website. It's www.sebts.edu. There you can learn more about our school and what the Lord is doing here. We hope you enjoy the message. Thank you for being a part of what we're doing here. Morning. I am so honored um, to be here, and that just is an understatement. The Lord so graciously brought me to this place. I graduated 11 years ago. I was pregnant with my first when I graduated. So, um, but I came here um, as a Southern Baptist preacher kid who had run far and hard away from my Lord for many years. And God brought me back and brought me here. And this place has such um, tender memories to me of my early uh, days of walking with the Lord again um, after years of rebellion and just seeing his face and growing to love his word afresh. And so being here is so very precious to me. So thank you, um, staff, uh, for the invitation. And thank you for joining me this morning. Um, I'm going to open in a word of prayer, and then we'll dive into God's Word. Father, we just um, come before you as your daughters, Lord. Um, And, you know, we hear the things that are going on in this world, and um, even things that I know are going on in, in our lives, Father, that evoke fear and questions and discouragement, Lord, but you are on your throne, Father. You are reigning on high, and you are in absolute control, Lord. And I pray that the truths of your character and the truths that we glean from your word this morning would just um, erupt life and hope and victory and abundance in each of our hearts this morning, Father. God, I'm very aware that I do not have the power to penetrate hearts, Lord, but you, by the power of your Spirit, have this way of changing us. You, you can change us in the midst of a chapel service, Lord, and, and secure something deep in our spirit, Father. So today I ask that you would have your way among us, Lord. God, that you would take my my words and use them and just transform them almost in midair and penetrate our hearts, Lord, so that we would leave here, um, just as our worship leader said, looking more and more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we pray this in your might and in your holy name. Amen. Well, when I was uh, asked to come speak, I started praying about what God would have me share And I so wanted him to reveal some obscure Old Testament person that even Dr. Mosley had forgotten about, you know, and I was just like, come on, Lord, let's let's just give me something like that, right? That's called pride, if you are wondering. And I had been personally studying uh, 1 and 2 Samuel and um, had been so convicted personally because I had gone to certain familiar texts, like the text we're gonna read today, with such uh, complacency. Almost to the point like, oh, I've read this before, and I'll read it, and then we'll move on to something I haven't read in a long time, and God rocked my world. 
And he just reminded me that his word is alive and it is active and it is sharper than any two-edged sword. And even the stories that are so familiar to us that I remember with felt board, felt boards, is that even a thing now? It's probably not even a thing now. Now it's iPads, iPad stories. I remember these stories from years ago, and yet even now today, in 2015, they are still relevant, they are still powerful, they still reveal to us the character and the might and the glory of God Almighty, and it can change us to the point that we can then leave and, and see fear, and it no longer has place because of what God has spoken hundreds and hundreds of years prior. So we're going to go to a very familiar text today. We are actually gonna look at David and Goliath. I told you it's humbling, isn't it? We're gonna be in 1 Samuel chapter 17, so turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17. And I pray for you as I've prayed for myself that we would read this text and it would just come alive to us. And as I've read through this, Um, In recent months, just over and over, God has revealed five truths, five truths that we can remember and need to remember when fear invades. Because I'm gonna tell you, we live in a very um, broken world. I mean, we just prayed this morning, the brokenness all over our world, and fear is a natural human response, isn't it? I don't know what you're facing, but I know that there is some fear that tries to plague you because you're human like me, right? Everybody here, human like me. Thank you, thank you, sister. And because you're human and you live on planet Earth and Jesus hasn't come back yet because of that, I know that there are fears that knock on your heart's door. And today I want us to remember five things so that when the fears do invade, we can remember that we have not received an inheritance of fear, have we, ladies? That is not our inheritance in Christ Jesus. We've been given a spirit of power and love and a sound mind, and that's even in the face of some of the most excruciating circumstances. So let's go to the text, 1 Samuel chapter 17. I'm gonna start in verse one. And basically we're just gonna read through the text. And as I get there, I'll point out five things that we can remember as we look at what David remembered when he faced Goliath, okay? Starting in verse one. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle and they were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah and encamped between Soko and Azekah and Ephes Damon. Dr. Mosley would be so proud of me with those words, wouldn't he? I hope he listens to this. I've mentioned him twice now. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped in the Valley of Elah and drew up in the line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with a valley between them. And there came from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head and he was armed with a coat of mail and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. And the shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron and his shield bearer went before him. And he stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel. 
Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And this Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Just to introduce our text before we get into David's response to this enemy, we can see here that the enemy, both in the text and even now in our lives, because we fight a spiritual battle, that he flexes his muscles trying to make us afraid. I'm gonna tell you, he flexes his muscles. He might do it through the people around you, he might do it through your circumstances, but the enemy in this broken world, it shouts at us. And it shouts lies about who we are and about who our God is. And the natural response, the overflow of that in our human self is to be afraid. It's to be afraid. And that's what happened in this text. It says that Saul and all Israel, when they heard the words of the Philistine, we have to remember, who are we listening to? When they heard the words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. And ladies, just practically speaking, I'm gonna ask you what God had me ask myself. What fears are coming up against you? And what lies are at the root of those fears? What lies about our God and about his character lie at the root of that fear? We get to verse 12, about to meet up with David. In verse 12, it says, Now David was the son of an Ephrathite of Bethlehem in Judah, named Jesse, who had eight sons. And in the days of Saul, the man was already old and advanced in years. And the three oldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul to the battle. And the names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, and next to him Abinadab, and the third Shammah. And David was the youngest. The three eldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward and took his stand morning and evening. So morning and evening and morning and evening, for 40 days, the enemy is shouting at the people of Israel. And he is shouting um, assault at them and he is evoking fear and they are cowarding back away from this, this enemy. And then we see David come onto the scene. Now we don't know this in in this particular text, but uh, David has already been anointed as king. He's already been anointed by Samuel and that has not come into full fruition yet. He's still going back and forth from Saul to his father's flock we see, but David um, comes onto the scene and we get to verse 17. And Jesse said to David his son, Take for your brothers an ephah of this parched grain and these 10 loaves and carry them quickly to the camp of your brothers. Also take these 10 cheeses to the commander of their thousand and see if your brothers are well and bring them some token from them. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting the Philistines. And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took the provisions and went 
as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to the battle line, shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. And as he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. And David heard him. Now we're gonna get to see David's response. Five things that we need to remember when the enemy comes at us and fear is a natural response. Five things we need to remember. We're gonna see and learn from David. He heard things differently, didn't he? Verse 24, all the men of Israel, When they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David said to the men who stood by him, what shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? The first thing that we need to remember when the enemy is coming at us with lies and coming at us with fear is we need to remember who our God is and who we are. We need to remember who our God is and then who we are as his daughters as being covered by God Almighty and sealed with his spirit and kept in him. You know, David says to them, who is this guy that he can defy the armies of the living God? Not just the armies of Saul, we're talking about the armies of the living God. We have to remember who our God is, that he is the one who spoke and worlds came into existence. Girls, our God can raise dead people, right? But we forget, I forget. There's a story, I do have three kids. One is here, bless her heart, she came. I was so excited walking, showing her where we are and where I lived, Lolly Hall, you know. I have two boys and we drive a minivan, which I said I would never drive a minivan. We have to be careful what we say. I also said I would never homeschool and that also, Lord help me. So um, one day we live uh, close to a railroad track. And one day it was just very natural that um, You know what I'm about to say, don't you, Haley? We got to this railroad track and it's very normal for the uh, train to be passing. We would have to stop. So I was actually the first one in line and the arms came down and we stopped, just normal day. We're just sitting there. My kids are in the back, you know, and all of a sudden we're just sitting there. I'm just chilling and I hear a train whistle from this side. Normal, okay, just sitting there. Then a, another, you know, a few seconds pass, and I hear a train whistle from this side. And I thought that was interesting. And then I listen, and then there's a train whistle from this side. And then there's a train whistle from this side. And they're getting closer and closer, and I start freaking out. Like, I'm not even kidding you. I have a witness. I started beeping my horn because that will help. I was about to back up, but there were cars behind me, and I'm like, there's gonna be mass carnage, move. You know, I'm like freaking out. I don't know what I'm about to do. And then um, they're, you know, they're beeping, beeping, 
over here, over here, over here, and all of a sudden they pass because there were two train tracks, not one train track, which I forgot about in that moment of amnesia. And I'm not, y'all, I thought I was gonna have a heart attack. Like I thought it was all over for hundreds of people, including myself and my children. And God used that to teach me something really important. And to give you an illustration for today, because he does that to me, I have lots of illustrations from life. Thank you. But he reminded me, my child, I see the beginning from the end and every single thing in between. And what looks to you like is gonna be complete and utter chaos and you can't figure out how this is gonna work out because from your vantage point, it looks like there's gonna be mass destruction and, and it looks like everything is gonna explode. He says, my child, I am above it. And I see the beginning from the end. And your perspective is, is this, this small in comparison to my eternal view. Girls, we have to remember who our God is. When those fears rise up and tempt us towards utter dismay to just fall down in despair, and I've been there, I've been there, to remember my God is the same God who spoke and worlds came into existence. He's the same God that said, Lazarus, rise up, wake up. And he walked from death into life. We serve the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. We get to verse 27 back in the text. Verse 27, and the people answered him in the same way. So shall it be done to the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. So he's, his oldest brother is, David's oldest brother is hearing him speak. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Was it not but a word? And he turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way, and the people answered him again as before. The second thing I want we need to remember when fear starts to arise, when people are arising against us, is to remember that we ultimately answer to an audience of one. We ultimately answer to an audience of one. It's so interesting. I had never, I kind of took some liberties and inserted some attitude, you heard, um, when I read that text. But I just think it's so interesting. You know, Eliab, if you remember, he was the oldest. And when he came onto the scene in front of Samuel, Samuel was sure that it was going to be him who was anointed king because he's tall and he's big and he's the oldest and he seemed like he would be. But was he chosen? No. Because God says, I don't look at the external, I look at the heart, and then he chose David. So there we see some definite jealousy taking place between Eliab and David. And, and you know, David comes and he's, you know, trying to be bold in his faith, and what does he come against but criticism? Criticism. Do you ever 
have someone in your life and you feel like that, like, what have I done now, you know? What have I done this time? But did David fall down in despair and, and try to please and fix Eliab? Not that we should not listen. We need to humbly listen to the words of others and be willing to hear rebuke from those around us. But ultimately, ultimately, we answer to an audience of one. We answer to an audience of one. Walking by faith in God, walking with Christ does not mean we won't have trouble. It does not mean we won't have relational turmoil because actually we're promised trouble, aren't we? If we follow our Lord. But we answer to an audience of one. I, recently I was listening, I, I have this bad habit of reading like four books at one time and listening to various podcasts. So whenever I say, Someone said, I really did hear it, but I have no idea who said it, so I apologize. If you hear this, I did not come up with this next sentence. Someone way more brilliant than me did, but he said, whoever he is, um, that real victory for us just in relationships and freedom for us in relationships is when we concern ourselves not with the reactions of others, but with the sin and worship of our own hearts. When we concern ourselves, not with others' reactions, but with the sin and worship going on in my own heart. You know, it's so much easier, it's just so e much easier, did I do that correctly, English teachers? Um, so much easier to point fingers, isn't it? It's so much easier to see everybody else's mess. We're good at that. We can give them a long, dissertation of things that they could fix and everything would be better, um, but that is bondage to us. And that is bondage in our relationships and that true freedom in relationships come as we follow Christ and pray for those who persecute us, do good to those that hate us, concern ourselves not with the reaction of others, but the sin and worship going on in our own hearts. We have to remember that we live before an audience of one, an audience of one. Back in the text, verse 31, when the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul and he sent for them. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him for you are but a youth. And he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered him out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears and this uncircumcised Philistine, he shall be like one of them for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. The third thing to remember when the enemy attacks us, when fear is invading, is to remember God's past faithfulness. We have to remember God's past faithfulness. You know, God does this throughout, we see this in the Old Testament oftentimes. He tells his people, remember what I've done. Remember who I am, because we are so forgetful, aren't we? We just, we just forget. I, I think it was Dr. Patterson, again, 
who said, you cannot coast through a single day. I heard those words sitting in these pews. We cannot coast through a single day. We cannot coast on yesterday's faith. We have to remember, we have to actively remember God's faithfulness. That's what David did here. I I remember that God had saved me. He has rescued me from the lion. He's rescued me from the bear. You know, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what fears are invading your life. But to take a minute and just sit down with God and say, God, remind me of your faithfulness. Remind me of how you've brought me out of times of trouble in the past. Remind me because we need constant reminding, don't we? We have to remember, we have to actively remember the faithfulness of our God. We get to verse 38. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor and he tried in vain to go for he had not tested them. And then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these for I have not tested them. So David put them off. And then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch, and his sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. Is that not ridiculous? I mean, isn't it, let's just, I mean, it's just ridiculous. God does these crazy, ridiculous things, doesn't he? Point number four, the thing we need to remember when the enemy comes up against us is remember our true armor. We have to remember our true armor, don't we? I don't have time to go to Ephesians 6, but I know you're familiar with the text, Ephesians 6, when Paul tells us, we do not wrestle against what? Flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the heavenly places. We're we're not fighting against people. It feels like we're fighting people, doesn't it? We go live our lives and we have frustrations and we have, you know, people aren't doing their jobs supposedly. And, you know, we feel like we're fighting people, but ultimately, ultimately we're wrestling against flesh and blood. There is a a spiritual war constantly waging, constantly waging. And we have to remember our true armor And our armor is Jesus Christ. Our armor is his spirit indwelling us and his word given to us as a sword, his truth. It's ridiculous and the world will call us ridiculous as we come at at the world with the word, but his word is life, his spirit is life, his word is truth. We have to remember our true armor. We get to verse 41 in the text, 41. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him for he was but a youth, ready and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. And then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head. My boys love that part. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear, 
For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. The next thing we need to remember when fears invade is remember that for whose glory we fight. We have to remember for whose glory we fight. You know, David says that I'm I'm coming at you so that all the assembly, that the enemy and God's people will remember who the Lord is, that it is for his glory. You know, in our culture, a lot of stuff comes at us and it can invoke fear in us and, and we can just get kind of stirred up and it's tempting to get on Facebook Get a witness. To get on Facebook and just blast the world, right? At all they're doing wrong and all the fear it's causing in us and we just wanna blast them and we forget for whose glory we're fighting. That we're fighting for the glory of God to walk firm and faithful, eyes set on him so that the world will see that he is love and that he is good and that he sent his son to die on a cross for sinful man to redeem them and restore them to himself. We have to remember, we have to remember for his glory we fight. Not fighting to make a point, not fighting to put people in their place so that our fears can maybe find some ease, but in truth and love for the beauty and the glory of God Almighty. We get to verse 48. And when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead and the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. Also crazy, ridiculous, right? Verse 50, so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and he struck the Philistine and killed him and there was no sword in the hand of David. And then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and he killed him and cut off his head with it. Also my son's favorite part. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled and the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout And they pursued the Philistines as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron so that the wounded Philistines fell on the way from Sharam as far as Gath and Ekron. Girls, fear is not our inheritance. Fear is not our inheritance. A number of years ago, just real quick, I'll tell this story. A number of years ago, my son, my middle son, we had gone to travel and visit some family and um, we came back and he just fell into this, this place of fear in his spirit. He was probably six or seven at the time, maybe six. And he was so afraid, like he wouldn't let me go anywhere out of his sight. It was just constant fear, constant fear. I couldn't even like put him in the car and then go get our 80 billion bags and then come back to the car. You know, it just wouldn't happen. He just was always afraid. And I mean, this went on for weeks, weeks where I would ask him, buddy, what's going on? What are you afraid of? What, what are you thinking about? Because every fear begins with a thought. And I would ask him, you know, just what, what's going on in your mind right now? What are you thinking about? What are you afraid of? And I had asked some of my friends to pray for him. And finally, one day, we were getting into our minivan. Thank you, Lord, for the minivan. And 
He was acting his fearful way again, and I looked at him, I was like, buddy, what's going on? What are you thinking about? I'd asked him this a hundred times, and he finally told me. And he looked at me, he said, mommy, I'm just afraid that you're gonna wanna go and be someone else's mommy. I know. Though my first thought was like, I can't even handle my own kids. I don't know what he's thinking, you know. <laughs> no, but I got in his little face. I was like, buddy, what are you talking about? Whose mommy would I go be? And he said, remember when we went to Tennessee and visited your family, and you let, when we left, you said they were such good boys. He gets in trouble a lot. <laughs> Bless his heart. And I got down in his little face and I said, buddy, you need to know something. I said, you need to know that your mommy loves you. I love you so much that if I lined up every kid in the whole entire world side by side, do you know I would pick you? And I would pick your sister and I would pick your brother. I would choose you to be mine and there is nothing you can do to take away my love for you. I will always be your mommy no matter what. And I got him a little necklace with a key hole and I had a necklace with a key and we worked through that. And as he would get fearful, I would say, remember what's true. Remember what's true. And ladies, our Father God, our Daddy God says the same thing to you. He says the same thing to me. He looks down at us. If we are in Christ, we are His precious daughters. And I know some things can come at us, some really serious issues in our marriages, in our finances, in our health. Some serious things can come at us and can produce fear in us, but fear is not our inheritance in Christ Jesus. We have not inherited fear. We've inherited a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. And we have to repeat and, and uh, preach truth to ourselves and remember when the enemy taunts us who our God is that he is on his throne. He sees the beginning from the end. I, I was uh, recently reading, I do know this, Choosing Rest, Sally Breedlove. My sister just gave it to me, and so I started reading it. And she said something really good. And she said that those difficult things that cause stress and strain in our lives are actually gates. They're gates to enter into the rest of God the promised rest of our Lord. Would you just close your eyes, bow your heads? Father, we come to you, Lord, the same God who was here in this very moment when, when David faced that Goliath and you caused a stone to kill the enemy. That's, it just seems ridiculous, Lord. It is so ridiculously awesome that we just praise you, that you're that God, that you are in control. You are the one fighting the battles for your children, Lord. Father, we confess places of fear, Lord. I know that every woman in this place can think of one thing she's fearful of, something that is plaguing her, something that is knocking on her heart's door, trying to bind it up in fear. And today we just reject that. 
In the name of Jesus, we just say um, to our spirit to arise, soul arise and look at our God. Father, we wanna look at you, eyes set on you. God, you are the same yesterday, today and forever and you are being good right now in our lives. And I pray that the truth of your character would just well up inside of us, Lord, that we would leave this place today walking in even greater faith than when we sat down in this pew. We pray this for your great glory and in your holy and awesome name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this chapel message from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. If you are thinking about theological education on the undergraduate or graduate level, including doctoral studies, we hope that you consider us. If you also find these chapel messages encouraging and a blessing to your walk with Christ, we hope that you will consider financially supporting Southeastern. Our graduates are literally serving the kingdom across this globe, working to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Your gifts will help to train more, and they will serve as a worthwhile investment in God's kingdom. You can find more information about attending Southeastern or supporting us financially at www.sebts.edu. We covet your prayers and trust that God will bless every good work you do for His glory. Thank you for joining us in our chapel services.